Okay, I'm recording there. Am I recording there? I am. <coughs> ha! Alright, let's go! is on. Hi everyone! Welcome to a brand new episode of Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, an animation podcast for Geeky Girl Experience. I'm Hope Molinax, and I make my friend Chris Honeywell watch my favorite animated shows. In this episode... Dipper finds an unlikely friend, his Grunkle Ford, to join him in his newest obsession, a board game. We're talking about Gravity Falls, Dungeons, Dungeons, and more Dungeons this week. How you doing, Chris? It says, like, I've seen all the descriptions of the, say, unlikely, but I don't know. They seem pretty, pretty, uh... I, I know, right? Pretty much, yeah, it seems pretty likely to me. I thought I thought it was going to be McGucket if it said unlikely... I was just like, ah, oh, see him playing with McGucket because McGucket had it back in his dorm room, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't, that's like copy and pasted from the Gravity Falls Wikia. And I was like, the only reason that I guess it's unlikely is that Ford was like, no, don't talk to me. I have to be the loner hero going mm-hmm. down to my basement now. I'm J.K. Simmons. <laughs> that was a horrible J.K. Simmons impression. <laughs> but yeah, like, I don't know why it's unlikely because. There, they, it's clearly set up that Mabel takes after Stan and Dipper takes after Ford. <laughs> so, you doing all right this week? Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm feeling a lot better than I did last week. And yeah, I can't complain. It's just cold. It's cold. We outside. keep getting threatened with a with a blizzard and nothing happens. I was I'm wondering about that because I saw that big old storm moving through and I was wondering if you got like any snow from it. No. Aww. A little dust. Aw, that's okay. It's more snow than we get. The dust is fun because you get to identify all the critters that walk across your driveway and lawn. And one day I saw a cat, raccoon, birds, bunnies, and the prettiest track of all was by a rat. I was like, what is that track? Because it looked like a seam, a fancy seam, like done by one of those fancy sewing machines. It was like two two lines with dots evenly spaced on the lines and then a curvy pattern in the middle between the two lines. So it was all fancy and then I'm like, oh my god, that was a rat and that the curve is its tail. Oh cool. Yeah. Oh, that does sound pretty. I've never no rat tracks. <laughs> and snow. Oh. Oh yeah. Aww. I never thought to look up pictures of it, but yeah, I was just like, nope, that's a rat. And their little paw prints <laughs> are like little stars. And they need a star footprint. It was deep enough that you didn't see really their paw prints, you just saw the holes, because it was deep enough that they were just making holes in the snow. He was probably just sort of sliding over it, you know, his feet pro- might not even have been like hitting Touching the them. ground. Yeah. yeah. I live in Georgia, we never get snow. Just a little rat slide across our yard. No. <laughs> oh my God! You want to hear some great nature? My my friend and I were sit went outside at work for a break on a cold day, 
so we take rare breaks outside and we see this squirrel come running across our parking lot with a hawk coming out of the air behind it it runs up a tree and into a hole in the tree just as the like a cartoon just as the hawk hits the tree you know like and sticking his head in the hole and then eventually like flew like 10 feet away and watched the tree for a little while and then took off while the, and the squirrel just sat with his head looking out of the hole for like three hours after that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a nice little bit of nature. It was crazy. Oh, you got to see a live action version of Poppy, but with squirrels and mm-hmm. falcons, not mice and owls. Wow. That was just like a deep cut of my childhood. <laughs> Did you ever read Poppy as a child? No. Oh, that book traumatized me. <laughs> that was a book that when I was in elementary school, I was like, what do you mean that mean owl ate her brother who's a mouse? <laughs> That's what happens. Yep. Yeah. Then he pooped, pooped him out in one piece. Actually, he pooped out... His earring that he wore, and that's how Poppy knew her brother was eaten, because he had a little berry ear, or little like earring that he wore, and she had to beat the mean old owl and free her mouse family. Aww. Anyway, speaking of beating weird things, uh, what'd you think of this episode? I liked it. It's fun. I liked that they did a sort of status quo episode with the new status quo. So it's not really big into the main story. It has a, a couple little things to add to it, sort of, but it's mostly just sort of a, a regular type of the story, but now it's, it's got the new Stan figured into it. Yeah, we have Ford now, which does change the dynamic of things. I think it's a good episode to kind of set that up because it kind of shows the strengths and the weaknesses of the entire core. You know, like, you have, like, Mabel and Stan who are just like, that's nerd stuff, but then you get to see in-game how they flourish. And then you have uh, Stan and, uh, not Stan, but Ford and Dipper who are just like, we are the nerd things. And they're like, no, we must rely on family. So there's a there's a lot going on here. It's, and- a, it's a very standard type of this story, but it's the type that they use to bring Ford into the into the group because the rest of the group's ready for Ford to be in the group. Yeah, but Ford isn't, and this is the one where and Stan's like, not know. really ready too. No, Stan's not ready, but he he would he would go with the flow. If his brother lightened up on him, he would lighten up. You know, I think Stan would be in a much better place if Ford had actually said thank you for bringing me back. But now he's holding that grudge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Ford 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 is the what probably the one more to patch patch things up. Stan did work thirty years to bring Ford back, so that's a that's that's a grand gesture. Yeah. And what does it say about Ford to not be like, Oh, thanks, man? Like he responded angrily and just pushed him away again. Yeah. So uh, I have I have a ton of feelings about thoughts about Ford that I just I cannot get into until we get into, like, the finale stuff, because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, you ready to get into it? I am. Dungeons, Dungeons, and More Dungeons, which was really sucky to type, like, five times in this freaking outline, (laughs) is the 33rd episode of Gravity Falls and aired on August 3rd, 2015. 
It was written by Alex Hirsch, Josh Weinstein, Matt Chapman, and Zach Pies. The director was Steven Sandoval. And the storyboard artist was Alonzo Ramirez-Ramos, Emmy Cicerega, and Von Tada. Just say DDMD. I think that, I think Dipper called it DD and more D. Yeah, yeah, you're just leaving out the end. So it would be DDMD. Like Daredevil Medical Doctor. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> Dr. Dungeons. <laughs> Dungeons, Dungeons, and Dr. Dungeons. Stats. Darkwing Duck, MD. Oh, Dark, Darkwing would make a horrible, horrible doctor. <laughs> Double D. Andy. I always forget how to say his name. Probilitor. No, it's pro- it's probability. So it's probabilitor. The annoying is voiced by Weird Al Yankovic. While best known for his parody music, Weird Al actually has done a ton of acting and voice work, including Gallivant, which is an amazing underrated show, My Little Pony, and fuck, I forgot to look up a third one. <laughs> what else? And some it? other show. What? Uh, I know he's in Adventure Time and Wonder Over Yonder, and um. I'm sure he's done, like, you know, Family Guy or something. Who knows? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I got distracted because what happened was in My Little Pony, he plays a character named Cheese Sandwich. So I was like, aw. And then, spoilers for the finale of My Little Pony, in case you care. Cheese Sandwich and Pinkie Pie got married, and they have a baby named Little Cheese. And so I got into, like, looking at pictures of them married. <laughs> because I was looking at pictures of Pinkie Pie and Cheese Sandwich being oh, happily married to each other. <laughs> anyway, that's that's why a third one didn't get at it. And then I went grocery shopping, <laughs> so <laughs> I forgot. Anyway, the Pines' disappointment at the reveal that Detective has a twin brother and Sue's remarking, I predicted that like a year ago, is a reference to the fact that Stan had a twin brother and that has been a theory since nearly the beginning of the show. When Dipper crawls under the Mystery Shack's porch, there's a message etched into the wall written by Seuss that reads, Seuss was here. Oh man, I think I'm stuck. A draft of this episode had Dipper reveal his real name to Ford as a sign of connection to the two had made. This was cut because the writers felt that it didn't, they did not have enough time in the episode to properly develop that reveal. Dipper's real name of Mason wasn't revealed until after the show had ended when journal number three was published. Oh, Jesus, it had to be Mason, huh? Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. And finally, the fantasy names posted up on the boards in the living room by Ford and Dipper are parodies of the names of names from Flight of the Dragons, an animated film starring John Ritter, the father of Jason Ritter, who voices Dipper. Well, as always, Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons is broken into parts. Part 1 will be story, themes, and characters. Part 2 will be from journals, Dipper entries. Part three will be ciphers and connections to previous episodes, and part four will be Chris's speculation corner. So, Chris, what was your favorite part of the episode? The Clorp. <laughs> yep. Especially, it's even funnier nowadays because now everybody knows what a LARP is. It's not a, It's not as focused of a nerd joke as it used to be. This is, like, this episode actually has aged really well, because this came out, you know, this came out when, like, Adventure Zone was just starting, and, like, kind of people were starting oh, yeah. to get back into D&D, and it was becoming more popular, but, like, now D&D is, like, super popular thanks to podcasts and stuff. Yeah, this is, this is, LAR- I mean, LARPing's, but I remember, like, early 2000s, they're still going, there was, there's a, 
big group. Actually, one of the people that works on the LARPing group is the had his kids. He and his kids landscaped our front yard this last summer. I remember like early 2000, one of those kids like going over with my friends over to this guy's place and he was gearing up his two sons to go LARPing and they were in this like bamboo armor that covered their whole body and their head and everything and he had these big heavy sticks and he like gives me one of the sticks and goes go on whack him whack him anywhere you want as hard as you want and I'm giving him a few half-hearted whack he's like no lead into it And, and like there were three of us beating this kid while he just stood there like Fending it off with this uh, <laughs> bamboo armor. Always loving it. Oh, yeah. Like, my friend uh, Francine had, like, she has a group that she, like, of course, now it's COVID, so they haven't gone since, you know, 2019. Yeah. But, like, you know, they d- they'll do whole weekends. Like, their group will, and when I say group, I mean, like, like 100, 120 people. Yeah, will, that's like, what these people are like, too. Yeah, big, they'll, big... they'll rent out an entire campsite. And mm-hmm. so, like, their cabins are, like, their bases and, like, the main areas. Like, the cafeteria would be, like, the like the tavern and stuff. And they'll just do that all weekend. But, like, so, like, this this episode has aged really good because something like D&D, thanks to, like, streaming and the Adventure Show, uh, the Adventure Zone and, like, Critical Role and all these, like, really popular shows from people like the, um... Shit! Who does My Brother, My Brother, and Me? My, my Brother, and My Brother, and Me. The McElroy brothers. Uh-huh. The McElroy br- brothers. They're very popular podcasters. They have one of the biggest shows uh, on the internet. And they've really brought back Dungeons and Dragons. And now it's actually become very mainstream, um, especially with COVID. Dungeons and Dragons has just become really popular now. And so this a- this episode has aged like really, really well. Because it, it just came out like right at the beginning of this uprise of like board gaming, like making a return and all this. Anyway, what's your other favorite parts? Mouth ramps. <laughs> uh, the time that D and D was cool, I remember that actually in the in the like early nineties when they tried to make like nineties style and all the artwork changed and everything. It was it was horrifying. And I like the phrase, uh, no cops in the forest. <laughs> we pretty much had all the f- same favorite parts. <laughs> because I put, I put, well, was that all yours? Yep. Because I put uh, Sis's F-Clorp group as well. I just love Derlin just being like, I'm a fortress. Oh my God, we got basically, yeah, we have almost the same three favorite <laughs> I parts. I love Derlin as the fortress and I love like, during the credits, like, his, like, super existential thing of, like, guys, do you think this and this? And they're like, fortresses don't talk. And he's like, I'm a fortress. <laughs> he's so cute. Um, I also have the 90s commercial for D.T. Mordis, but more specifically, Dipper's line of, sounds like a dark time, those 90s. Because <laughs> that was my childhood, and I lived through the 90s. Yeah. And finally, uh, Grinda murdering the ogre. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so funny, and... I, I, I want more of, like, Stan and Grinda, because they actually play off each other really well. But it's, I think I wrote it down, like, yeah, like, like the ogre is just spinning out this, like, really, like, nerd jargon, like, you're gonna have to go on these, like, seven deadly class, and she just slaps him with a chair and just screams, no! <laughs> it's so funny! <laughs> I love it. All right, so... Where would you like to start with stories, themes, and characters? 
Oh, I'll just, uh, I'll just work off yours. Let's start with the lighter stuff first. Let's talk about the nerd stuff and how it's handled and come back to the characters. Uh, was it this show that we were talking about how sometimes nerds stuff can be a little bit mean-spirited? Yeah, around Thompson and the bullying of Thompson. Yeah. I, I think they handle it really well in this episode. Because there's some, like, classic kind of, like, a little bit, like, of classic bullying, but it's mostly that Stan and Mabel just don't understand the game, and they're not giving it a chance, but once they give it, understand it, they're really good at it. And I like how that story is presented, because it plays off everybody's strengths. Like, Ford and Dipper get trapped in a situation that they can't control, which is something that, you know, like, Dipper likes being able to control situations, and he has to trust Mabel and Stan, and they get to play on what they do best, which is taking risks and imagination. And they come to that conclusion of, like, you know, maybe it's okay that you like this stuff, even if it's not for us. And I like how they handle like that, instead of just being, like, the very traditional, like, bullying story of, like, you guys are nerds, and it just splits up everybody. At this point in time, that word has no power anymore. There's so many nerds, and everybody's some kind of nerd now. Yeah. That calling someone a nerd isn't really... And it's something nerds call each other all the time and call themselves and stuff. You can mock somebody for being a nerd, but it always... It, it almost... It, it rarely... I'm sure you could hurt somebody's feelings by calling them a nerd, for for sure, but it, but less so than ever before in time. I mean, during this, when this was coming out, you had uh, John and Hank Green, like, coining the term, like, nerd fighters. A- anytime anybody, anytime, like, you're, you're in a room full of people having a good time, and somebody, and you get one or two people that are just, like, talking really in-depth on anything, even if it's sports, you know, you get uh-huh. other people going, nerds, uh-huh. you know, they'll go, ha, ha, ha. But it's now almost an acknowledgement. Everybody everybody gets a chance to be called a nerd at some point over something. I actually use that example a lot because, to me, there's no difference between somebody who paints their body to stand in the snow at a Green Bay Packers game and someone who's in full furs in the middle of the summer at Comic-Con. Like, they're both the same in my eyes. Yeah. Um, they're both showing their love for something, and there's nerds of everything. Like, I'm a sports nerd. I love sports. I don't talk about it much here because it's not this podcast, but I am a diehard Atlanta Braves fan. I'm recording the Hawks game right now because we're playing the Lakers tonight, and I'm podcasting to you, and I'm going to watch it afterwards. Like, I love sports. So I, I consider myself a bit of a sports nerd. But, like, thanks to, I would say... I would say the MCU, like those movies have really brought being a nerd into mainstream. When I was manager of a comic book store, like Iron Man coming out, the very first Iron Man movie came out and saved the comic book industry. Like DC was probably a few months away from bankruptcy. And when Iron Man came out, it revitalized people's interest in in comics. And it also brought new people interested in comics because people got into it. You just you just gave me a hot take. You want to hear my hot take? Give it to me. More people are probably getting bullied now for not being enough of a nerd than for being a nerd in the first place. Because you reminded me that with the say that's called gatekeeping. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the gatekeeping, exactly. It's somebody somebody is like, I love the Marvel movies, and they're just like, Oh, you haven't read the comics, whatever. You just like the movies. You're not a real. Marvel fit, you know. Yeah, I want to stab those people in the head. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's 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 the nerd bullying now is like it's it's gone full circle now to where people more people probably get bullied for not being either either not being a real nerd or not being enough of a nerd or is or committed an, enough of a nerd. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny, not funny. It's not funny. <laughs> I've been on the tail end of that, especially working in a comic book store. Yeah, and being a girl at a comic book store. Oh, I have horror stories. My favorite one. This is my favorite story. Because I knew the other person didn't know either. Um, so this really this guy came in. He had been, like, going around. And, like, we had a majority female store. Um, and I was by myself at the time. But, like, when he came in, Alicia had just left on our break. And so I was by myself. And this guy, God, he was younger than me, too. I was, like, 28. And he was, like, maybe 21. We have these back issues, like boxes and boxes of back issues, easily 20,000 comics, easily. And so he pulled out a comic, and he just asked me very casually, like, hey, what is this one about? And I looked at it, and it, it was, like, in the A's, and it was, like, Ant-Man, and it was the most recent series, so I was kind of explaining what it was. And he goes, okay, and he puts it in there and just flips a few more later in the A's and pulls out another one. He's like, what is this one about? A little bit, like, more pointedly, and I was like, okay, well, and I explained it to him, and he kind of put it back and kind of went further back in the A's and was like, what is this one about? And I realized he was testing me. And he was only in the A's. He was only in the A's, and he was testing me on my knowledge. But the thing is, is, like, I know he didn't know either, because he was just trying to catch me. So the ones I didn't know, because, you know, when you have 20,000 comics, you haven't read every single issue. It's just that it's so much. And so, but but I knew most of the titles. So, you know, because I worked with it every day. So even if I didn't know specifics, I just made shit up because I knew he couldn't call me on it. And finally, I, after he got through a couple boxes of A's, I was just like, really, what are you looking for? Can I help you? And he was like, I don't need anything. And he just, like, wandered off. And I was like, you bitch. <laughs> but he he looked so mad because he was trying to catch me. And he was getting more and more aggressive because he was trying to test me. And that's very common for female fans. Yeah, well, well, little little dog, be careful chasing that mail truck because what happens when you catch it? Yeah. That's what, I, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like, what's he, what's he going to do if he does catch you on getting something wrong? Like, stand in the comic shop and be like, aha, jacuzzi. Tell me that I didn't know, like, one out of 20,000 comics? Oh, no, I knew he didn't know Bring it either. Bring me the proprietor. And it's just, it just sucks, because it's actually a very common occurrence for female yeah. fans to be tested like that. Actually, um, my coworker, Jesse, he was the best. God, I love Jesse. It happened to us constantly, like like me and Alicia and Monet. And, and, and finally, like, one guy was, like, kind of, like, trying to quiz and bully Monet, me, and Alicia. And finally, Jesse came over, and he's like, why aren't you asking me those questions? And Jesse's a big guy with, like, tattoos and piercings, and he was like... Why are you asking them? Why aren't you asking me? Don't you want to know if I know those stuff? And the guy just kind of backed away. It was just like, uh, no. <laughs> He's like, yeah. See, if those guys were smart, if if, if those nerds were smart, they're obviously not smart because they were testing you guys, but like the recovery from that one would be like, oh, I was asking them because they obviously look like they know the most in this shop, unlike you. No, no, then, they just got nervous win, and sweated and just kind of like scampered yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anywho. F-Clorp is awesome, Chris. <laughs> yes. So, we go on this wizard nerd adventure. What did you think of uh, Weird Al's character and, like, 
to like the end battle with all the D and D stuff. Oh, he was great. He was great. He was full weird out. Weird weird out was just great. But uh, I feel that there's like five percent McGucket to maybe even more, like ten to fifteen percent McGucket in Probabilitor's character design. Maybe just a touch, yeah. McGucket was probably friends with the with the with whoever the character in that universe had designed it with, and they and he designed the character after him. I really thought McGucket was gonna when when Dipper was crawling into a hole underneath. I'm like, oh, McGucket's living in a hole underneath the <laughs> the place. Uh, that would p- totally be the place where you would find McGucket. But yeah, I I feel that there's some some connection with prob the Probabilitor and McGucket. Did you enjoy the final battle, D&D battle that they had? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm one of those guys that, that makes fun of D&D. I've never been able to get into D&D, and I've always had, like, roommates playing D&D in, in my house, and I've always come back from work, and they're all sitting around. In, in those days, everybody would be chain-smoking cigarettes, and they'd all have a two-liter bottle of, of Mountain Dew next to them. Uh, me and my other roommates would always come and go how's it going guys did you kill the big monster that's good <laughs> <laughs> I, i'm actually in the process um mostly just because we're both busy but like me and my friend colin are it's, it's not like D D, but it's a star wars version of D D. like we're yeah, in the yeah. process of trying to set up a game right now <laughs> so. yeah what can i say everybody i know plays and when D D first came out this magazine that my parents had were writing about it, and I went nuts wanting to play D and D, and like, and got the books and everything. Looking at the books and like drawing a map and stuff like that, like the nerd stuff, like Dipper on the floor, that I totally vibed with. When I first got D and D games, I was like, ooh, drawing out a graph. It was just a Neat idea, I'd never really... It was sort of like the games we used to play on pieces of paper in class. Like Mm -hmm. these tank battle games where you would... Or or graph paper games. But it was like super complicated and it was. It really appealed to nerds. But the actual playing of it was never... I never enjoyed that of of any of those games. I, I was Scott Gardner and... His uncle Randy and I once played a Indiana Jones game, and Scott and I almost fucking tore our hair out by the end of the game. I'm getting heated now because his, his uncle Randy, <laughs> his uncle Randy, did the Mabel and and Stan thing where he realized I can just fucking make stuff up. I don't know why I'm swearing now. I'm getting all wound up. I can just make <laughs> stuff up. And we were on top of this mountain. We we're on top of this mountain. We had to get down to the bottom of the mountain, and he goes, I'm just going to run and jump and roll all the way down the mountain. And we were like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. You're going to die. And he just kept rolling the dice and kept getting good rolls and rolled all the way down the mountain and was like, here I am, down at the bottom of the mountain. And we were so pissed. We are like, that's not fair, man. And, of course, he totally got it. You know, he got it ten times, a hundred times better than we got it, but we were we were pissed. Oh man, that's to me. That's the fun, funnest part. Like, God, I was listening to uh, "Roll to Fail" 
Sean, who is our one of our guests over on Jake Guys and Jedi, he was part of this podcast called World of Fail. And Callie, the DM, she had set up um, before they were going on this big mission, you know, like they had a chance to like up, like upgrade their armor and stuff like that and level up. They just finished this whole thing. And she just completely underestimated how much they leveled up. And they just came in and like it was supposed to be this huge, huge battle. And they just came in and just slaughtered. Just, just, just yeah, like Yoda with the red guards in episode three, just like against just the wall. And, like, and she was just like, Well, okay then. Well, Scott Gardner was Scott Gardner had written the adventure, so he had got and, and it was based on like there was a book with the thing in it, but like there was a set thing that you had to do. Like, you know, there were things laying around and and there was a way of like using the life raft that you had to slide down the side of the mountain and stuff, and that's what you were supposed to do. But Randy was just like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do a barrel roll down the down the mountain." But that's the fun thing. That's see, that's what I find fun about like stuff like D and D. It's like there's stuff that you're supposed to do, but what if you use it in a completely yeah. stupid way? Yeah. <laughs> that's the fun of it. You know, you could have a boat, but what if you wanted to like, I don't know. Like like swim on a rock, you know. Like, what if you want to like muster together ducks and like ride the ducks across, opposed to using the boat? And like, that's why D and D is fun. I love that thinking outside the box of it. So, I think I'm more of a Mabel. (laughs) I'm just like I could get all the ducks together and just ride them, ride ride a boat of ducks. Anyway, I also like the hot elf. (laughs) The, The hot elf who's like goth and maybe gay. Like, they they play it off to where, like, he could be, like, effeminate gay or just, like, super vain goth type, but it's just hilarious. I like the way he just, like, like a bird, he just turns his neck away from Grenda, just like... (laughs) (laughs) But he's not going to refuse somebody, like, adoring him. But at the same time, he's just in, like, this condescending disgust of anybody who would... Who would adore him or whatever and but it was just just yeah they they got a lot out of that character for very little little screen time yeah speaking of grinda this is my the best use of grinda in the entire show so far she is just so good in this episode. well now she's an established character and they can really use her she's pretty established as her character and i have a feeling that she was a fan favorite too so they're just like yeah and Probably, probably a favorite in the writers' room too. It would. It's fun to write Grenda. And there's so many. Just like seeing her, like being a fan of the show, and then like she's the perfect person to take with them to like punch an ogre in the face yeah. with a chair. Yeah. And then she doesn't even help with the D and D game. She just hugs the hot elf. And you know what, Grenda? You just you go live your best life, girl. I mean, you know, she's just she's she staying in so character. Good. Character's eternally thirsty. Yeah, well, she's a teenage girl, so... <laughs> yeah, the only other thing I have to about the actual game itself is I just like how it just does so well at establishing why Stan and Mabel are, are good. Mabel got to be ridiculous creative, and Stan gets to show why he's so intelligent and crafty. They have their cake and eat it, too, in the best way. They, they, they get to make fun of the nerdiness of it, and they get to um, show the imagination side of it, too. And they, they, they show how both work hand-in-hand hand to make the game work. And they get to thrive in that setting, too. Like, I, I think what I like so much about Stan 
um, especially now that Ford's here, because it's it's clear that Ford is smart, and he's just this kind of classic intelligence and, like, this traditional, like, what you think when you think of intelligent people, you think of, like, scientists and stuff like that. But Stan is a completely different kind of intelligence. And we have two sets of complementary twins. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love seeing how crafty Stan is, and he beats that he wins the day by cheating, because that's what Stan does, and he's really good at it, so... All right, speaking of Stan and Ford, let's get into this. So now you're starting to get more into Ford. Like, for me, what I like about Ford a lot is he's a little bit of a dick. And I like that he's a little bit of a dick. It's so clear that, like, Dipper wants to spend time with him and idolizes him and looks up to him. And he's just like, well, I'm going to be down in the basement. No one bother me. Bye. (laughs) I think it's partly it's 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 ego and oh, you yeah. know the pine ego it's it's New Jersey <laughs> he instead have a New Jersey base but I think his his dickishness is genuine with Stan cuz they're brothers but with everybody else it's kind of condescendingly protective he's not going to get anybody else involved with this because he got in over his head, and he ended up thirty years in a in a time hole. And and Dipper looks like he's he's just ready to go into a time hole himself. And Dipper doesn't know what he knows, and Dipper's all ready to to goof goof around with everything. It must drive him nuts to know that for thirty years, well, not for thirty years, but for thirty years, Stan's been messing around with with the the forces in his basement, and then for the last summer. There's been kids running around, goofing around in what he knows is dangerous territory. So it's probably out of protectiveness. You know, he's putting up a shield. Yeah, but I mean, and there's other things too. Like, you're right. He does have this kind of lone hero type. He takes the, fir- the, the first opportunity he's given to bond with Dipper. He t- it's, I mean, it's the power of DDMD, but... It's also, he's just like, let's do this. Cause it's like, it's that, it's that thing of like, he's got his family there and he can shut them out. But if he shuts them out, they're just going to fall through the ceiling and he just sort of gives into it. And I mean, he's eventually, eventually he's going to have to give into that with Stan too, but it's probably a lot easier with Dipper cause Dipper's like little mini me or mini him. You still there? Yeah. I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out how to word stuff. I half agree, and I'm only half agreeing because of stuff I know, <laughs> and also I just have a lot of arty, like, thoughts about Ford going into this, because, to, to be honest, it took me a while to warm up to Ford the first time I watched this, I and I, and I do think it's a little fault of the show, because he comes in so late. I, 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 I find him to be a dick. I think he's cruel at times, but he's cruel because... He is playing that lone hero type, and he has to be the smartest person in the room. And we know this. Like, we've been reading journal entries written by him, and in his journal entries, he's incredibly condescending to other people because yeah. he believes oh, yeah. that he is the smartest person in the room, and he has to be the hero. And I think that's a very important character trait with Ford that we saw last episode. Um, when we were getting their backstory, he was bullied his entire life, and he's finally given this opportunity to do something great, and you're right, he's in over his head, so now he takes it upon himself to push everybody else away because of his own mistakes. Instead of going, you know, trusting, instead of trusting Stan, he 
brings him in just to use him to get rid of his journal. So uh, yeah, I, I think I think Ford is a little bit of a dick, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a way of just like it's a really good, it's a good negative character trait that makes him an interesting character. Does that make sense? Yeah, he's for all we know, he's been battling like Conan the Barbarian in a harsh dimension for thirty years. Also, he's the he's the one character in our group of characters besides, you know, like someone like Bill Cipher who knows the stakes of what's going on. And it's funny it's funny when 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 the journal when you read the journal entries, you can see that Dipper is definitely aping the style of of Ford has a bit of it in him himself cuz Dipper writes in the same sort of condescending it's it's condescending but it's a different way it's worded like a little kid but it's still the same you know you can see the same personality in it ah that's a wonderful segue into my next note my actually Ooh. the last note well second last note that i have because we're seeing how in a way how like stan and ford are starting to imprint themselves on mabel and dipper especially like ford is not ford but uh, stan is so much like mabel but now we're seeing like from afar stan or uh, Fucking twins! From afar, Ford has been kind of put like imprinting himself on Dipper through the journals, and now he's actually here. But I think the difference is the fact that Dipper has been with Stan, and so he's not so much exactly like Ford, where Mabel is a lot is almost exactly like Stan. So because Dipper's had all this time with Stan, he knows like when to like have downtime for mindless fun, and he isn't going to be an exact carbon copy of, of Ford. No, I think, no. I think that's so nice to see. That's where Stan's influence has come in. Plus, I can't, I can't oversell this enough. New Jersey. They got, <laughs> they got the New Jersey in them. Dipper doesn't. It's a, it's an important distinction. <laughs> Dipper has the California in him. Right. Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot different. That's 180 degrees difference. <laughs> it's coast to coast difference. California is laid back and go with the flow. New Jersey is is Maury Clawhammer here. <laughs> Get it done. Check out the check out the lines on this rat. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we're already starting to see some though, um, a little bit of some cracks between Dipper and Mabel. Like there's that moment where they're in the room and Mabel, you know, like is trying to sleep and Dipper's on the floor drawing graphs. And he's like, you know, you and Stan make fun of me all the time, but now I have Grunkle Ford here. I have someone like me here. And we see that that hurts Mabel a little bit. But she also has to admit, like, yeah, like, I've been not the greatest, but that's, you know, brother and sister stuff. But we're seeing those kind of cracks starting to, starting to, like, break a little bit. A little bit, but they've built a stable enough family here that they can't, like, I'm sure... As we get towards uh, towards the end of the story, and there's we get to the the height of the drama, there'll be some there'll be some cracking and you know temporary splitting and stuff. But like, yeah, it's it's little cracks, but it's more realistic. It's not like they they don't overplay the drama of it. But they they are setting it up for something because here we have Ford asking a twelve year old child to keep an incredibly important secret away from the rest of his family that can impact the rest of the world. Dipper is still a child, which tells me how much that Ford has, like, just no concept of how to handle kids. But Dipper's already in that world already, you know? I mean, Ford just got there, but Dipper's already seen a lot of things that, like, 
that maybe he shouldn't tell anybody <laughs> or or, but he's still or it's a kept child. on the download. He has had to keep he had to keep the book on the download from from uh, Grunkle Stan for the for the whole for first season and most of the seconds. And but the, but the difference is that he had a Mabel with him, and Ford is telling him to cut himself off from his uncle and his twin sister. Yeah, which is what Ford did. He cut himself off from his brother for his research, and I, I think that's. So important to you know continue saying that Dipper is twelve years old. He's a child, and that's a very big thing to have somebody that he looks up to and pretty much is just throwing himself willingly to trust this person that he really doesn't know anything about. And this person that he admires is going cut yourself off from your twin sister and keep this between us. Like so, it's it's interesting that just sitting like seeing that kind of setting up because I don't want to say grooming. I feel like grooming is a very harsh word to use with Ford and Dipper in this, but it's kind of like dip like Ford, maybe not on purpose, but might not be realizing that he's trying, he's starting to set up Dipper to possibly fall in the wrong footsteps behind him. Does that make sense? It's easier for you to tell than me to tell because, because of the stakes, it depends. It all, all that depends on the stakes involved. Well, let's talk about detective then. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just like the meta commentary about detective with them just being like. Well, they they make it like the stupidest meta commentary too. It's it's the most formulaic aspects of a cop show, just with a duck. I know. So like so they're making fun of the formulaicness of a of a twin brother and. All that, so it's it's fun, and plus it's it's all met all over the place because then everybody's watching it and commenting on it. And my favorite is when Stan is I, when Ford is like, "It's a children's show," and Stan's like, "I'll have you know, it has very adult jokes written into it." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I like when they have fun because I started thinking, and I was like, I kind of want to look back on Detective and see when it if it pops up in like important episodes, like in Headhunters which was the very first detective appearance, is when Wax Stan got beheaded by the other Wax, Wax figures. And that was the first kind of real clue that Stan possibly had a double. You know, because he, he freaked out seeing his other self because he hadn't seen his twin in 30 years. And, like, he was mourning his Wax figure because he had lost his own brother. And then he had detective in that episode trying to solve a murder. And he was like, it's murder! So I think it'd be interesting to see if we could, like trace detective through the story because here if we in, wanted to we can't we could we probably could because <laughs> if we really wanted to we could we could we could put it all together but i have a feeling they just started writing detective as a gag and it was a good gag and then it just like hung around the writer's room and as they went along they got to you know they just started making the detective gags more complex there's a plushy detective, and I want it. <laughs> it's an it's one of the few pieces of merchandise that they like sold because they actually didn't sell a lot of Gravity Falls merchandise in general, um, which was just such a bummer. But they actually have like a little plushy detective that you can get, and I want it. So, but that's all I had for this episode. Did you have anything else? I did not. They should have sold stuff like decoder rings and stuff like that. They started on the merch for this very, very late. Like, of course, you know, season two spanned like two and a half, three years. 
Um, but they didn't actually start really putting out merchandise until like the half last half of season two. Did they make fezes at least? No. Jeez. It was mostly fan art. Like fans were like supplying their own stuff, and like you know, now in hindsight, there's a bunch of stuff and items out there that's you know, Gravity Falls. No, there's well, like there's so many. Like here's 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 a thing that you get to sell a lot of them as collectors' items because gnomes but the gnomes have patches of velcro on them so you can stick them all together to make into a big gnome oh uh, see that would have been great but no i mean they just didn't actually make a lot of merchandise until towards the end of the book or book till the end of the show and then after the show when it was really popular and fans were pretty much clambering how they handled the merchandise of the show was just really really weird so Alright, now, it is time for Dipper's Journal Entries. I am now with your feedback of last week of what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can, you know, if you want to read it, I can phase it out. I'm not going to hear the show before I've seen, uh, by the time the show comes out, I'll be well into whatever... Probably by the time the show comes out, we'll be done with the with the episode. That's what I'm saying, you know. So I don't I don't worry about like listening back to it and hearing it, and I could just sort of like walk around my room going ba 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 ba, like yeah. look nah, around nah. at my bookshelf and stuff. If you know, if you feel there's stuff that you want to throw in there. No, no, I mostly read this for you. So. Aww. Uh, all right. So <clears throat> this is all from Ford's point of view. Now that he has his journal back, so uh, I know I can't read that part. <laughs> now I feel bad. <laughs> no, 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 no. I just um, I didn't know that you didn't want certain things not read, because to me, like I, I guess in my brain, like to me, like they're in show, but I didn't realize that. I, it didn't dawn on me. I was like, oh yeah, technically you don't know that, even though it was just a mind slip of mine. So anyway. <clears throat> I can't believe I'm writing this, but today I actually had fun. My grandnephew Dipper literally fell out of the sky and reminded me that even in dire circumstances, one must take joy in the simple pleasures of life. In this case, that simple pleasure is my favorite board game of all times. Dungeons, Dungeons, and More Dungeons by Ballway Games, copyright 1974. Stanley always mocked my love of this game. And even some of my college friends called it the girlfriend repellent. But apparently Dipper shares my love for a good game. He's setting up the game right now as I write this. Wait till he sees my infinity-sided dice. Infinite sides means infinite outcomes. But you'll be surprised how often you'll roll a four. Available in infinite colors, but only in two sizes. Exists in a state of quantum uncertainty. Don't stare at it for too long unless you want a headache. This thing has saved my life three times and has endangered it around 20 times. One time I rolled it. Oh, nope. Can't read that. Obviously, it's too dangerous to use in a simple game of D&D and more D. But what could be the harm in just showing it to Dipper? Damn right you're not reading that, Hope, because I. it sounds like it goes right into my prediction. Excellent. It was, it was heading right for, it was head, it was like, like a missile right for my, right for my prediction. And then you were like, nope. And I'm like, ooh, Chris might be onto something. <laughs> All right. Well, now we move on to connections to previous episodes in the Cypher Corner. 
So actually, as Chris mentioned last episode, because he had noticed this and he had written it down, Ford had a copy of Dungeons, Dungeons, and More Dungeons in his dorm room during the episode A Tale of Two Stands. I, actually, I think it was in McGucket's room. I think it was when he went over to McGucket's place. I copied and pasted this from the Gravity Falls wiki. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, um, unless they're wrong. Which I'll they take could. it up with them. I'll take it up with them. As for the cryptograms at the end of this uh, of this episode, the ones at the end of the credits, once decoded, reads Excelsa whatever. <laughs> and the flashing page cryptogram at the very end reads Fun and games are great distractions, but small things can have chain reactions. All right, Chris, what's your speculations? All right. Well, first, just a note on it is the infinite infinity dice is very much. It's like the training version of this is like, I think after after kids are done with Gravity Falls, they should go right to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, like the book. Yeah. Because it's it's very much like sort of like the idea of the infinite improbability drive. Yep. I think that that infinity die will be utilized at a key moment sometime in the future and when i saw that it was an infinite number of symbols on it and i realized that pretty much all the characters seem to have symbols that maybe a character will be resurrected or brought back or somehow they'll roll somebody's you know like mabel's symbol on it or so Mabel will disappear and they'll be like, no, Mabel, and they'll roll the dice and it'll come up Mabel, <laughs> you know, or something. But that's just like a plot thing that I thought you could do with the um, the infinity dice because you can do anything. You can do anything with the infinity dice except you just don't know what it's going to do. Anything can happen with the infinity dice. I just so realized that it's Chekhov's infinity die. The character who has the Hitchhiker's Guide is also named Ford from Hitchhiker's. Ford Prefect. That's absolutely, you're right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the people who made this are big nerds. 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 (laughs) Did you have any other predictions? Nope, that's it. I will say the Infinite Side of Dice is a very, very fun thing that leads to some very crazy fanfiction in Gravity Falls. I'm sure it does. The reason it came into my head, because you mentioned it, and I, I just remember that moment where, in the Hitchhiker's movie, where Martin Freeman's like, Fold, are we couches? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wait, one of them's name is Ford. That's my favorite part of the movie. It's like, I think I'm a couch now. Yeah, we all. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, because I was just thinking about that when I was writing my notes for this episode, and like... They explained the idea of the infinite improbability drive, which was amazing. And then you have you have a few uses of the infinite improbability drive and these whole sequences of, you know, where'd my legs go? And all these bizarre, you know, surreal things happening. But then after a while, I think that Douglas Adams realized that every time they use the improbability drive, that it would be too distracting to... <laughs> To make everything so they just started using it after a while and like every once in a while something would happen but it was never like the point of view from inside the ship and creating whales and flower pots and and stuff like that so yeah mm-hmm. oh the whale oh, <laughs> that sequence is so good in the book 
And the flower pot, the the flower that just sings, "Oh no, not again." Yeah. <laughs> that comes up in that comes up in later books too. Really, I haven't read those. That later is all books yet. explained in later books. Yes, what oh. the "Oh no, not again" is is all about. Oh, that's awesome. It's pretty funny too. Yes. I really enjoyed it because I I listened to Hitchhikers as an audiobook, and I think it was Stephen Fry who was reading it. Um, oh, it was delightful. It was so delightful to go through that audiobook. What you should do is look up the BBC radio version of it. There's there's actually so many versions of it. There, there audio, really are. There's a, there's a BBC radio version. There's a cut-down BBC radio version. There's a BBC radio version where they sort of cut it down and re-recorded parts of it to go along more with the movies cause it, or with the books because the books separated from the drama so it was like there's like the double record set version of it but the bbc radio version has some great voice acting in it great voice acting especially marvin <laughs> i i think it's because i uh because it was the first thing i ever saw of hitchhikers which was the movie so marvin's always going to sound like alan rickman which yeah. i'm okay with because i i love alan rickman and i miss him dearly um, I like the, the I like that Marvin. I liked his design in the movie, and I love Al. And Alan Rickman was the perfect voice for for him. But I'll always be I'll always favor the original BBC TV show Marvin. He's so so pathetic. He's just so pathetic. It's Aww. wonderful. Yeah, it's wonderful. The the one in the movie looks like a plausible robot that's been built. To just to 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 be physically tortured by his body, which is funny in itself. But on the on the show, he's just like has a frown and is he's in the movie. You see him in the unemployment line in the movie. (laughs) But the movie also has the beginning song with the so long and thanks for all the fish with the dolphins singing it, which actually brought a tear to my eye in the in the movie theater. Going just like Douglas Adams would love this. If I could just have one wish, could I please have one more fish? <laughs> you know who also wants one more fish? Oh! No, not you. Our patrons? Yeah! <laughs> Hi, guys. So. Mm-hmm. If it smells like fish, Yoda eats all that he wish. Get out of this podcast, Yoda. You don't belong here. This is not your podcast. Go back to Jay, guys. That's actually funny because I read a Am I the Asshole that gave me the idea for my Yoda question tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the the Am I the Asshole was, oh, I, I, the, the moment I read the title, I was like, yes. Hold on. Sorry, patrons. I'm sorry I had to read this. <laughs> we love you, though. As I look up this Am I the Asshole, I just want to know, tell you that Bucho is not an asshole. He's wonderful. And Gene and Brian are not assholes. They're wonderful. And Heather and Billy and Lynn are not assholes. They are just so lovely, and I love this much. And Patrick and Bree are awesome. And Alex and Kate are most certainly not assholes. And we want to thank you so much for supporting the show and taking, you know, you know, helping us pay for, like, the servers and, like, websites because they're not free and they're not cheap. And your support really does help the show so much. And we love you guys so much, and thank you for being here. And, Heather, I did get your comment. Uh, I'm saving it for – and this was about the behind-the-scenes I posted about 
Dr. Hooves, and it's from a chat that Chris and I had a few weeks ago, and I saw your comment, I am waiting for two more episodes before I see it, but, because it actually fits that episode's really, you, really well. You said so. Doctor Who, right? Sure. Because Skype wiggled around a little bit, and I thought you said Doctor Hooves. Sure. And I'm like, is there a Doctor Who fanfic that all the characters are horses? Sure, we'll go with that. Doctor Hooves. I I can't say anything because it's going to give away part of the plot two episodes from now. Excellent. So I. Oh no. <laughs> See, you got to be careful, Hope. You can't get anything past me. <laughs> okay, we're getting some context. Um, you might not remember this because this was actually that, that we recorded this episode back in like November, and that's why I was like, you might not remember that we had this conversation where I discussed the origin of Doctor Who. No, I don't. Obviously. Aha. Anyway, so thank you guys so much for supporting the show. We love you guys so much. And if you also want to be help us support the show and everything, go to Patreon.com/slash/GeekyGirlExperience, and you can help us out as little as three dollars a month or any amount that you want. But with seven dollars, you get to have the episodes early. So patrons get early episodes. So if you're listening on the public feed, you're behind on where we are in the patrons. So, yeah. Uh-huh. So this is the Am I the Asshole that gave me the idea for the Yoda question tomorrow. Am I the asshole for not allowing my sister to use my laundry machine when she washes her underwear in it? Oh. Oh, you're going to give that to Yoda? I'm going to ask him how he does his, um, does he Mm -hmm. hand wash his underwear, or how does he wash his undergarments, or does he take them to the laundromat? Okay. You're walking walking face first into that fan. That's fine. I know. I know. I know what I'm getting into. (laughs) So that's the question for tomorrow, Chris. It's a good thing this comes out way in the future, because I don't want him to get a hold of that question ahead of time. Anyway, what were your final thoughts of this episode? I liked it a lot. They got to cover a lot of the family drama work in just sort of a standard episode, you know, not a, like, big plot-heavy episode. So they got to just do it as a fun episode, but they got to address a lot of the the family dynamics going along. So it was a very useful episode character-wise. It could have been done very heavy-handedly, but it was done in a fun in their standard way. It was very good. Very well written. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a much-needed episode, because the last two episodes were so heavy, because we got, like, Stan and Ford's backstory, and then, yeah. of course, we had not what, not what he seems, which was the setup. So it was, I don't want to say a return to form, but it, it's a good touching base with everybody. Well, we've, we've established a, a status quo, and I was thinking about this. Actually, you just reminded me. I'm sorry, that's why I cut in. Oh, no, you're fine. There, we're at a point now where we're semi-resolved. We know we're not resolved because we know Bill Cipher is lurking around. But we're semi-resolved, you know, in the in the main sort of story of, as far as our characters are concerned, Stan wanted to get Ford back. Dipper wanted to find out what was going on. We, we find out the truth about Stan. And, and now everybody's just sort of there. The Ford's back in his house. And he's back, so Stan has fulfilled his his quest, and things are back to quote unquote normal. So it's just sort of so now the characters are just sort of like 
the mysteries to be solved are like probably just the norm, you know, in their minds are the normal mysteries of the show that would turn turn up, you know, a new creature or whatever. We've just sort of established a new status quo where Ford is there, but there isn't a main undergoing what's going on in the basement, what's Stan trying to do. That's all resolved. So they they got to build that up, but then they got to build that into whatever's twist is coming that is actually unresolved, which is stuff to do with what Ford tampered with with Bill Cipher and what ha- probably happened in the other dimension. So it's gonna it's gonna be fun. They're sort of establishing like looking like they're gonna wheel spin the wheels in order to pull the rug out from under you to to mix my platitudes. You know, I never really thought about that way because, th- to be perfectly honest, like after, and, and this is Hope talking of having seen the show, from nobody seems in a tell two stands up until the finale. Those kind of middle episodes to me were always felt like I don't want to say the weakest of the series, but they did kind of feel like wheel spinning. But you're right, I never really thought about it that way. That all the major mysteries are solved except for the Bill Cipher stuff. Bill, Bill Cipher doesn't have anything you can put your finger on. It's 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 basically like what's up with Bill Cipher. <laughs> That's about it. And I don't want to say that Dungeons well Dungeon Dungeon D D and Morty sort of feels like a season one episode. A little bit. Like only now with Ford. And yep. Stan isn't on the mystery. So now they can come into the next episode and everybody's just sort of you know they they sort of did with this episode. They cleared cleared the air a little bit. Future episodes could are just them living in the house with the kids there for the it's summer. It's return to summer. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, it's the return to their summer vacation, which was monster hunting and stuff. So. Right, right. It's going to be brief. <laughs> it might only be this episode. I don't know. They might have a couple other episodes that are just sort of stories like that as, as it goes on. But yeah, 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 it'll be brief. And then then we get the, the main chaos bizarreness storyline which i'm really looking forward to it's a three-part finale <laughs> yeah we're close i can smell it we are one two three four episodes and then the three-part finale and then we're done with gravity falls wow holy cow yeah we blew through it in about a year so wow yeah two more months we'll be finishing it up wow absolutely well chris where can people find you you can find me at two truefreaks.com that's our podcast website you can uh See all the glorious Two True Freaks podcasts over there, including the podcast I do with Hope, uh, J Guys and Jedi, which is we were just talking about. We're about, well, no, we were talking about this show, but we were we we just had a little uh, interloper from that show. Yeah, I can I see you over there. He's peeking around the corner like a little creep. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We cover Star Wars cartoony shows over there tons and tons of them we've covered clone wars rebels and now we're working through resistance it won't take a just like uh, gravity falls it won't take us too long to get through resistance so there's no it's gonna be a year man three whole whole star wars series that you can uh follow with us show by show and can i say something cool about that like we're doing for resistance which you know we might regret at a later date but chris didn't tell me no um we've scheduled a lot of guests for resistance oh that's true too yeah and i think this is the most guests we've ever had for a series 
Um, I, I just sent Chris the list, and like we have. Well, guests you know, yeah, and up. plus we got it. We only have two seasons, so we got to cram them all in there if everybody. If we want to get everybody a chance, and we're picking up more people as we go along over There's, time. Yeah, as I, we um, meet, as we meet people along the way. Yeah, so I, I'm very excited about covering Resistance because we're going to be talking to all sorts of different people, um, which is something I was really, really going for. I, I want to just make sure that we talk from people from all over the spectrum. Like we have our my, my very lovely friend, like Mark, Marqu- Mark Marquise from Clashing Sabres, who's going to be coming on to um, the Orca and Flicks episodes because, you know, we're both queer and we can talk about the queer rep. We're going to have our buddy Suara from Into the Spider cast. And he is a lovely Mina person, and he can he loves talking about like the diversity of the show, and you know he is Middle Eastern, so he can like bring in that kind of perspective that me and Chris can't as white people. <laughs> so I'm white really excited. People. Yeah, so I'm really excited about our our guest lineup for Resistance because it's it, it's something it's we're gonna be exhausted. <laughs> resistance because i was thinking about this i was like what if they can't record monday or tuesday chris we're gonna be fucked (laughs) it's gonna be a nightmare so i'm just uh so it's gonna be fun but i i'm really excited about it yeah i'm really excited about our lineup we we have some cool things coming for j guys and jedi and i'm really really excited about it but you were saying i'm so sorry Yes, we do. You can also find Two True Freaks on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page of Two True Freaks Podcast and the Two True Freaks Cantina. And a bunch of our shows also have individual Facebook pages that you can find through the Two True Freaks main page. We also are on Twitter, run by um, actually one of the patrons of this show, Gene Gene, the multifaceted Swiss Army knife machine. He's the big Swiss Army knife with the magnifying glass and the saw and the toothpick and the tweezers, all of it, the nail file, everything. You would know this because I was looking everywhere for this. I'm so sorry. That little, like... The scissors. That little loot thing that Grinda was playing, is that called a loot? The little mid-eastern bard, middle, like, like, um... Uh, medieval bard strumming thing that you see. Yes. That's called yes. a lute? Yes. Okay. That's been remember bothering that, me. Remember that, that I was telling you about, I don't know if it was on this show or J Guys and Jedi, but I found that one instrument called a balalaika sitting by the side of the road. Oh, yeah. That's sort of a, 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 a bigger version of a lute. It's a very similar instrument to a lute, yeah. They've been bothering me all day about it. It's something like somewhere between like a mandolin and a banjo and a balalaika. But yeah, it was a minstrel instrument. It was you could carry it around and and strum strum it loud enough. Good gag with a minstrel following his Sir Robin in in the famous Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Brave, brave Sir Robin, so bravely ran away. (laughs) Every nerd knows the songs from the Monty Python movie. (laughs) (laughs) But, oh my God, you're not a real nerd unless you know all the songs from the Monty Python musical, the Broadway one. I don't. (laughs) I know one. I've never seen the, the musical. I do. I do know. I like to ride the Pramalot. Always look on the bright side oh, of yeah. life. Do 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 do. That's the only one I know. So 
did you have anywhere else that people could find you? I do not. I, I know lots of Monty Python songs. I could sing Monty Python songs, even the more obscure ones. Like I used to, if I had a little keyboard, I could do this as like a piano bar. Isn't it really nice to have a penis? Isn't it really <laughs> nice to have a dick? It's swell to have a stiffy. It's divine to own a dick. From the tiniest little tadger to the world's biggest prick. So here's to your Percy or John Thomas. Hooray for your one-eyed trouser snake. Your piece of pork, your wife's best friend, your Percy or your cock. You can wrap it up in ribbons. You can slip it in your sock. But don't take it out in public or they'll put you in the dock. And you won't come back. <laughs> Yeah, it used to be a showstopper live. <laughs> that was Except excellent. You have to go, ah, thank you very much. You can find me. <laughs> Where can they find you, Hope? <laughs> Wrap this up in ribbons and slide it in the sack. <laughs> you can find me um, over at Geeky Girl Experience. This is the animation podcast for geekygirlexperience.com. Um, that's where you can read all my reviews and everything. Um, of course, I mentioned my lovely patrons, and you can join us up and support the show over at patreon.com slash geekygirlexperience. Another way to support the show is I also have a Public, a Redbubble, and an Etsy store. If you go to geekygirlexperience.com and go up to the shop button, you can have links to all those, whichever one you prefer. And I just released some Star Wars Resistance merchandise, which I'm super duper duper excited about. Um, and of course, it's nice. Have, I was looking at it before the show. It's nice stuff. I made a logo for Aunt Z's Cantina, so it looks like an like a in in universe uh, logo. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Hope Molinox. And as Chris said, we have another podcast called J Guys and Jedi. So if you like Star Wars stuff, you can follow us over at JGuysandJedi.com. All right, Chris, uh, Gravity Falls season two. You want to hear the title of next week's episode? I sure do. It's called. The Stanchurian Candidate. Oh, lovely. I know all about The Manchurian Candidate. I've seen both movies. Ah. And read about all the real versions of it. MKUltra, mm. baby. Oh, oh, <laughs> this could be this could be for my last uh, theory, too. Oh, my God. Are you excited? That's what I was hinting about in my last theory. Oh, my God. Ford is a Manchurian candidate. Mmm. Interesting. <laughs> you ever seen the Manchurian candidate? I know of it. I've never seen it. There's two movies. They're, they're both very good. There's the Denzel and there's the Frank Sinatra. Yeah, I, I know the premise of it, so. They're both very good movies. Highly recommend them as a good, good training conspiracy theory films. Conspiracy 101 films, especially the Frank Sinatra one. Frank Sinatra is a good actor. It's a creepy movie. We'll have to find out next week what happens. I'm excited. We also get one of my favorite characters in all of Gravity Falls, too. Excellent. Oh, I noticed, I noticed the mayor was back. Did you ever see, um, know anything from, um, oh, God, what's it called? Uh, Welcome to Night Vale? I tried to listen to Welcome to Night Vale, and I could not take it. I couldn't do it. It took me about half of season one before I got into it. It's very good live. 
I, I did get to see it. I got to see I wanted show to life. strangle it. It was so pleased with itself. I don't know. I it, it rem- you know it reminded me of a nerdy version of um, Prairie Home Companion. It's not like it was not like Prairie Home Companion. The idea of it was was that's why I listened to it because I was like, ooh, I like the idea of this. And I just I, I listened to a couple episodes and I was just like, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> well, tried. Cecil Baldwin is a guest voice actor next week, so <laughs> was he on Welcome to Night Vale? He's he is Welcome to Night Vale. He's the voice of Cecil. Oh, the, like the, the radio host of the person. Wow. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it, I couldn't do it, but that was like what ten years voice. ago or something like that. So maybe I should I should definitely give it another try, seeing as how I'm like sort of diving into audio drama type stuff. I I would definitely um for at least if you ever get a chance to see, I I saw one of their live shows and it was really fun live watching him because you know he's a radio host. So but watching right. him like um. Oh, which one did I see live? Did they would they would they did like a scripted episode live and did all the it sounds very that sounds very much like what the Firesign Theater used to do. Kind of, yeah. They they would do like the scripted episode and I can't remember what it was. Um, but he had talked to like three different people in the thing, and every person he talked to, he assigned like a movement to them. And at the end when when uh Cecil was wrapping up the show, he like did this almost like interpretive dance representing each of the people that he talked to. So it was uh, it was really cool uh, watching it live. That almost sounds a little like how Frank Zappa used to work with his band. He had all these movements to represent abstract things that like certain instruments or just a feel or something. And it would it would look like he was doing a interpretive dance, and the the band would know exactly what he was telling them to do, and you would hear him go. It was fun to watch. I fell off of uh, Nightingale about the time that Kevin took over. It's not that I didn't like it. I just got so busy with stuff. I just fell out of it. You're going to have to rein me in from picking the guy's brain about just like the technical ideas about how they did that sort of stuff and keep me on the keep me on the on the on the episode at hand. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys. Well, we will see you next week. Bye bye. Bye.